Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right. Were you guys ready to go today? Yes? Are you guys ready? Seriously? Like, are you ready? Because I'm ready. I'm kind of excited. I've, I've been gone a little while, and I'm back, and I'm ready to go. And today I want to talk about dreams. Anyone in here, anyone in here ever had a dream? Okay, good. Okay, good. There's, this is going to be great. Like seven of you, this is going to be very relevant. The rest of you, you're just going to have to kind of bear with us because apparently you don't dream at all. Anybody ever had a dream that no one, it seemed like nobody else understood? You know what I'm talking about? Like you had this dream and it's like nobody gets me. Anybody with me? No? This is going to be tough today. Anyone have a dream that turned out a little different than you expected? Like, I thought one thing was going to happen, but it ended up something else happened, and it's still like somehow it's still the dream. Are you with me? Yeah. And, you know, I say all the time that I'm living the dream. It's just a dream I never had. And I love that. I, I never dreamed about the life that God has led me to live. Believe it or not, I never dreamed that I would be doing this until I was actually doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, ne- I know it's hard to believe, and you may be surprised, but I never, I never was imagining the glorious life of a pastor. It just wasn't what I grew up thinking about. It wasn't like, I can't wait someday to be a pastor. It sounds so awesome. And, but yeah, here I am. And Christy and I dreamed about a lot of things in life, but a lot of the things that we live now are not the dreams that we had, and, but we're grateful. And I do say that we're living the dream we never had. And I think that's how a lot of dreams are realized. A lot of dreams find us. You know what I'm saying? A lot of dreams find us. They find you. For a lot of people, you're living, you're living something you never thought you'd ever live. And it's a lot of things you not even didn't hope for, but it's things you didn't even pray for, which makes me really think about this in, a, in an interesting way. Because you are told to dream wildly right go dream your dreams yet some of the greatest dreams we'll ever live are the dreams we never even dream (laughs) what what is going on here it's not always okay to depend on the vision board although you can have one if you want the strategic vision to go reach for the stars all those sorts of things we hear all the time in this world to follow your dreams to follow your dreams but sometimes those dreams will follow us and we wake up one day and we're living, we're living a life and we're living a dream we never had. And, and I just want to say perhaps God has a dream for you. Perhaps God has a dream for you that you can wake up to that isn't something you really, really even ever imagined. And so we're one minute into this message and I want to know, are you, are, you, are, you, are you with me today? Are you with me now? Are you feeling this already? Perhaps just... Maybe when God says, I have a plan for you, to plans to prosper you and to give you a future, he wasn't talking about someone else. He was actually talking about you. <laughs> maybe, maybe perhaps God does actually have dreams that you don't know anything about for you. And I want to talk about the dreams that God has for us. And I, the reason I kind of want to talk about dreaming wildly today, as you see on the screen, is our students, that's going to be their theme this week for camp. And I thought, hey, I really like that subject, by the way. Uh, it's something I'm kind of partial to, something that I've, you know, written about, talked about in like for 10 years now. And so I thought, I want to talk about Dreaming Wally. I'm not speaking at camp this year, so I'm going to sneak one in. Here you go. But here's what's great is it's a fresh kind of word. It's something that I feel like Lord has been kind of putting on my heart 
about dreaming wildly. And so this isn't like some canned talk that I've done, you know, kind of beating a dead horse kind of thing. Once again, I'm going to say, oh, this is some good stuff. I'm going to do it again. It's, I feel like the Lord has kind of put something fresh in my own heart about this because I know that even as I've sat with this idea for so many years personally, I've also tried to live it, and God has continued to reveal, if you will, new things and new thoughts and experiences. And God does this sort of stuff. And so, just so you know, he give you a little bit of reference to where we're headed over the next number of weeks. And in July, we will be starting a new teaching series. Um, but it's given us the opportunity to kind of talk about some things we want to talk about this month. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the Spirit and what God's doing there and uh, being Spirit-led and those sorts of things. And this week, you know, of course... Like I've said, I want to talk about dreaming wildly. And what's very, what's very particular about these two words, dreaming wildly, is I, I believe, I believe it, the heart of becoming a person who dream, dreams wildly is the desire to become someone who has an ever-increasing faith and belief in a God who can do anything. That Although th- things may be impossible with men, they are truly possible with God. Does this mean that we, what I'm saying is this mean like, oh, we can reach again for the stars. I think it means something else. I'll read to you Ephesians 3.20 to kind of get us going because it's, it's, it's the verse that actually says these words. So I got to read it. And I'll read the message version because it's, you know, just so particularly poignant. God can do anything, you know, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your, say it with me wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Now, I love this because God will do more, if you really pay attention to this verse, than you ever imagine. More than your wildest dreams. He'll do more than that. Sometimes this verse's position is in a way that you should go now dream wildly. It's actually saying God will actually do more than what you imagine. You can actually find yourself Once again, living the dream is just a dream you never had. It's beyond your wildest dreams. So here's what I know. I know that the subject matter of dreaming uh, in in our country is is well-tread ground. It's not something that isn't talked about. It is talked about commonly. People come to this country on the premise of dreams, do they not? Like people come here, millions have been captured by the allure of dreams. Like they will drop their nets and follow their dreams, right? That's what they do here, and they follow them whether that be the dreams of riches or comfort or security or fame or just the good old-fashioned, I want to have a great life with a house with a white picket fence, whatever. Many of us have grown up with the idea that, you, there's, that we are embedded, that you can do anything. All you got to do is put your mind to it. You can be anything. You can do anything. This is the American dream, is it not? This is what we, are gro- this is what we grow up knowing and believing about not only the country we live in, but the person that you are. You have endless possibility. Isn't this an interesting kind of language already if you really start thinking about it? You can do anything. You have endless possibility. If you just put your mind to it, anything's possible. There's story after story in this land of opportunity that support this theory, aren't there? Lots of rags to riches. Lots of people that, you know, reach for the stars and actually got a hold of one. And there's also just as true as there's that opportunity, the other side of that coin is you can drop like a rock to the very bottom faster than you know it here, right? That's the other side of the coin is that people can just become another statistic. People can just be another face in the crowd. And so the idea of dreaming from a conventional sense, that's obviously not what we want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about how you 
can overcome the odds. You can dream the dream. You can just keep going and pursue harder and faster and work more to achieve all that God has put in your heart. Um, I want to talk about it from a little bit different perspective because I don't really want to jump on the American prosperity gospel train today in which you can have Jesus and eat your cake too, right? Like you can't have both. Like there's this idea out there that you can have Jesus and your post-retirement plan in eternity, right? You can have Jesus in your post-retirement plan, but you can also pursue all that the world has to offer. You can have both. And this is often really what the American church has taught, is that, hey, just say yes to Jesus, get yes in eternity, but also go after the dreams of you wanting to pursue all you can and experience all you can. And then there's this little disclaimer at the end that says, you know, just be humble about it, just be this and that. And then, but at the same time, you know, it's not, nothing's wrong with all that stuff. Just go, at, but, but just be really good about it. Just be godly about it. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to chase the American dream while I also say yes to Jesus? Or is there something about saying yes to Jesus that's enough? So unfortunately, the message that many have shared has been the vision for many followers of Jesus in our culture is that you can have Jesus and you can also have this world. And so the good news is that I know that many in this room are ripe for what I'm about to say because you are wanting to dream differently. There is people in this room that I know want to see more of God and more of the will of God in your, not only your life, but in this church. And so I believe this room is ripe to talk about the type of dreams that find us. So this past week, I was incredibly fortunate um, to be able to go on a mission-type trip slash vision trip. Um, I've been really, for the last couple years, exploring and learning about... Um, about church planting around the world because I believe that's something that I want us to be engaged in as a church. And one of the specific areas that uh, I've been able to get connected to is actually in the country of the Czech Republic. And, and so I actually was invited to join in on this trip, and I went, which is, like I said, I feel very fortunate. It's not a normal thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a, and do this mission kind of vision trip uh, halfway around the world. But I was able to do it, and... Um, I look forward to sharing more about what I learned, but I don't have the time today, so I just, we'll move on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll share a little bit. Um, I do look forward to sharing about more. I don't have the time today to go a deep dive into it, but if you're kind of like, you know, what, why, why church planting in the Czech Republic? Well, two, two reasons that I'll really point to as far as it's worth exploring is one, I'd say, you talk about dreams. A dream that we've had as a church is to be engaged in church planting, um, not only here in our city and uh, domestically in our country, but eventually internationally around the world. Um, we just believe that God wants us to be part of the movement of the church um, and what he's doing to advance the gospel around the world. And, and so learning about that and exploring that's always been something that we want to do. And now that we're aging a little bit in church, we're starting to do that a little bit more. Um, and that, so that's no, reason number one is, is we feel like this is our future, um, and to some degree, at least in the area of having a global mission arm in the area of church planting. Um, but the number two reason why the Czech Republic specifically is um, it's an interesting international place of, uh, to plant churches. It's one of the hardest places to plant churches in the world, which for some reason that really intrigues me. Um, oh, that's really hard, let's, let's do that. And, and the reason it's really hard is it's actually, um, in, as far as Europe and, and really one of the uh, highest in the world, it's uh, the least, if you will, well, let's say it this way, more people don't believe in God in, in that country than in any other country in Europe. It is one of the hardest places 
um, to plant a church because the soil is so so hard there. There's only 20,000 Christians in the Czech Republic, which is 1% of the population. So if you can imagine 99% of the people in your country going, what, you believe Jesus? That's weird. Um, 99% of the country um, doesn't believe uh, in Jesus, and 71% don't even believe that there's a God. And so this is one of the one of the most uh, toughest grounds in the world, which is what really intrigues me to say, okay, what are the precious church planters that are there doing, and how do we support them? Because what they're doing is really hard, and it really matters. And so there's a lot of other things I could say about it, but I don't bring up that story to really talk about the check. I, I, I bring it up because um, at the front end of the trip that I was on, uh, I, and before I got to meet with the church leaders and things like that, I had two days where I was on my own. And so I was like, I, I did that intentionally. I just wanted to get some time on my own and kind of hear from the Lord. It was really for that hope. And so I was, I, I was in Prague, and Prague is this great international city. And so I just was walking around Prague, which is like, uh, I guess it's what you do when you're in Prague. And so I'm walking around, and I'm just, I'm, I'm literally praying, Lord, speak to me while I'm here, whatever you want to say. I'm sitting in these old churches. I mean, I'm just asking the Lord. And you know what was interesting is the whole day as I'm going through this international city that's people from all over the world and thousands of years of history, is I'm literally thinking how small I am. I'm like, I am so tiny. By myself, I'm thinking, I'm even, the, the two words that come to mind were small and insignificant. And I was like, Lord, is this what you're saying to me? So I just wanted to share that with you today. We're going to pray. hope that makes you feel better. And, uh, but small and insignificant, and I was like, I didn't feel all that encouraged. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I took it, but I did. I just felt this kind of the weight of the world and the size of the world and the size of and how many people there were in the world, all that sort of stuff. And So anyway, I, I kind of had that thought that day. The next day, I planned to go visit a small town in Germany, which sounds, you know, like a long ways away, but it was about an hour away from where I was at. We are in a car. I drove up there, and the town was a town called Hernhut, Germany. And I went there because in 1727, if this tells you anything about me, a significant movement happened in this small town. There was a group of Christian people called the Moravians who, uh, and I'll show you a few pic pictures. I'll show you this first one. There's this in front of the church. A few uh, Christian people called Moravians, they started a m significant movement there, and it was led by a guy named uh, Count Zinzendorf, which is a great German name, Zinzendorf. <laughs> and uh, he, he, along with... Uh, People in his community, um, they had a they they speak to a, of a day in August of 1727, which happened to be August 13th, which is my birthday. I don't know if there's a connection, but um, in which the Spirit of God came upon them and moved in a very powerful way, and they experienced a move of God that was so powerful that they did not want to let it go. They didn't want to let it go, and so they came together and they committed to begin praying. 24 men and 24 women came together and they said, we're going to start praying 24 hours a day. And so they started praying 24 hours a day. And this group grew to about 70 people in this small community, and they continued to pray, and God continued to move. And they ended up praying. You can, you can go to the next slide. This is the outside of the church. This building is actually um, from the 1700s, and... Um, 
they ended up praying nonstop in this little church. I say little, it's bigger than ours, but little church for over 100 years, 120 years, 24 hours a day, nonstop. Can you imagine? And this commitment to pray was passed on, right, from generation to generation. And I'll show you a picture inside the church. This is the, this is the actual building and where these prayers were. And I sat in this room, and I was struck by the simplicity of the room, first of all. I mean, it's extremely simple. I, I can't even get over it. I can't even describe to you how simple it was. They didn't, even, they didn't even have stain on their wood. You know what I'm saying? It was like raw wood. For those 100 years of 24-7 prayer, uh, which be- is believed to be the first 24-7 prayer movement, just so you know, um, so much came out of this. One of the first modern mission movements the world has ever known came out of this small community that came together and prayed in Germany. They were sending out missionaries in the 1700s. Can you imagine? In the 1700s, like, hey, I think you should go, you know, to another country and preach the gospel. In fact, this is one of the, really in church history, one of the greatest mission movements that ever happened, happened out of the Moravian church here in Hernhut, Germany, which is really strange that several hundred missionaries are being sent out from this little, little place. Um, It's believed that this would be, again, the first 24-7 prayer movement the world has ever known. By the way, they have a Czech descent, but they moved to Germany um, and are still, they're still impacting the world today. I also think it's interesting how prayer turned into mission Sometimes prayer, when it just stays prayer, is not, <laughs> is not God's design. So I, again, I went to this little church, and I prayed for a while, and I stayed in there. There wasn't anyone there. It's still an active church. There's still people that meet there, have worship there. And I didn't have any, like, magical zaps from heaven, just so you know. I was like, oh, you know, like, waiting for, like, God, I'm here, you know, 300 years of prayer, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, God, do something. You know, it wasn't that way. I was like... A little bit like, all right, I'm here. And again, mission, mission flowed from this place. This, the direct lines, just so you know, what's, what's so crazy. Even John Wesley being led to the Lord through Moravian missionaries. If you don't know who John Wesley is, the father of um, the Methodist Church. And there are direct lines of inspiration to prayers like the Welsh Revival, which we've talked a lot about in the early 1900s. And then all the way down to... What started 20, 20 years ago, the 24-7 prayer movement that has inspired us and, and the prayer room we have here. And to think that those sorts of indirect and direct lines uh, are accredited to this group of people that said, what if we never stopped praying? What would that look like? And as I reflected on my time in Hermit, I was, I was sitting in this church, explore, I explored the little museum they had, and I was reflecting on it, and, and I said, Lord, the same question I asked the day before when I was walking through Prague, like, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I'm, I'm all ears, I want to hear you from you today. And the same words, small and insignificant, came to mind. He put in my heart. He said, this church may seem small and insignificant, but this is what I do. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you can imagine. A little church that never exceeded a few hundred people has impacted the world for now 300 years. A small group of people in a small town, just a speck in the world. God used spiritual imagination and a spiritual hunger of a group of people who said, what if we never stopped praying to generate waves 
around the world of mission and prayer and even revival. So that day, God put on my heart, and this is what I'll put on the screen. This is what I, I, I felt like he, he shared with me. He says, I'm not looking for big people who can build big things. I'm looking for people who know they are small and surrender to me with all they have so I can use them in the biggest of ways. I'm not looking for big people who can build big things. I'm looking for people who know that they're small and surrender to me with all they have so I can use them in the biggest of ways. So maybe what I'm learning these days about dreaming wildly is that the biggest dreams that I will ever live out are the dreams that follow me. They are the dreams that I discover as I surrender more of myself to him. These are the dreams that are actually the biggest ones. If you remember Moses, you remember Moses' story of Moses, right? The dream that God was chasing him with his entire life. Think about it. When we think about it that way, that there was a dream that was chasing him. He wasn't chasing or following dreams himself, but there was a dream chasing him. And he was, if you think about it, from the time he was a little baby, he was put in a basket, he was pushed down a river, and he found the Pharaoh's family, and he became a part of the family, and then years later, he goes and goes out into the desert, and God meets him in the desert, and he sends him back to the family that God had sent him to in the beginning to say, let my people go. And there is this dream that Moses stepped into that he was not preparing for in his own heart, but God had been preparing him for his whole life. You think about Joseph. You remember Joseph had a literal dream and his brothers hated him for it. You guys remember that? Which happens to dreamers, by the way, is a lot of people, they don't like when people have a dream because dreamers are different. And different isn't always love. But Joseph's entire life seemed to contradict the dream that God had given him at a young age. His entire life was like that dream was just some sort of crazy dream, right? He was sold into slavery. He was... He was accused by Potter's, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of sexual assault. He went, on, went to prison for years. It seemed like the dream was a million miles away. And decades later, he finds himself living this dream that God had given him, but the dream looked different than he expected. It was a totally different dream. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, go read it. But it's not the Joseph like Jesus' father, Joseph. It's a different Joseph, FYI. But I'm sure many of you are like mine. You have thoughts like mine, right? Feeling like you're small. Feeling like you're just one out of seven billion people. Anybody ever had that thought? And I realize that God doesn't always use everyone like he used this Moravian church. But reflecting on the Moravians, it, made, it brought to mind... <clears throat> One of the passages that I feel like has been instrumental in my life for years, but it's 2 Chronicles 16.9, because God does something. He says this in that passage, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. Can you imagine this, right? I mean, uh, picture this, 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 this scene in heaven of God's eyes ranging throughout the earth. And he's looking for people who are yielded to him, is what one version or one translation says, or committed to him. And then he pauses and he gives them strength and power and perhaps opportunity to be a part of something special. See, God uses the faithful like Joseph. God sees the fully committed, and he does more than we can ever imagine. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, 11, we know the verse probably. We're talking about 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So we can't even imagine what God has prepared. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So we can't imagine what he's up to on our behalf, the dreams that he has in store. But it is by his spirit that they will be revealed to us in his time. Perhaps. Our dreams, they shouldn't be about the special work that we're going to do. Perhaps our dreams should be more about the special work that he's going to do. Perhaps our smallness is exactly what makes it possible for him to release his power and might because God always gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. All of you clothe clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, get this, under God's mighty hand, that may he may lift you up in his due time. God has a habit of lifting up those with a humble heart. God seems to wait to unleash his favor upon those who look to lift up Jesus instead of themselves, and he does it in his due time. We have a culture that says you can do anything that you put your mind to. You can do it. We have a culture that says you can do anything, but I want to live a life, and I hope you want to live a life that doesn't resonate with that message as much as we resonate with the message that we have a God who can do anything. We have a God who can do anything. And God can use a small community of people to inspire worldwide prayer for three centuries now, or God could lead you to a life that you never saw coming. So this is all good. So what do we do with it? Because in essence, what I'm saying is God may have a dream for you. You just don't know what it is. Yay. God may have a dream for you. Maybe one day you'll wake up to it. So what do we do with this? How is it practical? What do, what, what do we really, how do we really dream wildly with this in mind? I'll just say this. If you're in a place where you're trying to figure it out, meaning you're in a place where you're praying through a dream, you're in a place where you're praying through God's will. Oh, gosh, did I say God's will? Let's figure out God's will. That's an easy one. It's like a Rubik's Cube thrown in a maze, God-sized maze. Praying about the future. If that's you, if you're like, I just want you to know I get it. We all find ourselves in this place. If you have a place where you're dissatisfied with life and you're hoping for something better. I don't know if this is there anybody in the room that's actually, you don't have to show your hands, but I'm wondering if there's anybody in the room that's like, yeah, I have questions about the future. (laughs) I'd like to know what to do. (laughs) And see, this this is what's challenging about life is that so often our mind is geared, and maybe this is a cultural thing, or maybe this is a human thing, but it's probably a combination of both. We are geared towards trying to figure out what it is we're supposed to do. We answer a question at a very young age. What do you want to be when you grow up? We answer it by something we want to do, right? What do you want to be when I grow up? Oh, I want to be a, you know, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a, and so we're answering a question about being with an answer, with answers of doing. For me, I wanted to be 
a professional basketball player. It makes so much sense, right? It wasn't until later in life that I realized that I lacked a little thing called talent to make that unattainable. But we answer the question of what we want to be with what we want to do, and this country values doing over being, but I'm convinced when we focus on who we are, he'll take care of the things that we get to do in life. Because here's what I know, the mighty hand of God gives grace to the humble, because the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth for those who are fully committed to him, and because the Spirit of God works deeply and gently within us. And too many of us are consumed with what we do, and we forget to f- pay attention to who we are. And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, stay with me, because this is the practical piece. I think God is saying to each and every one of us, listen, my will for you, my dream for you, the things that I want to release in you, it all begins with who you are. It begins with who you are in me. My major focus in life right now is not so much about where you go or where you live or what you do, what choices you make. My will begins with who you are. And we want to know, we want to know, is it this choice or that choice? Is it this job or that job? Do I live here? Do I live there? Do I move? Do I? We want to know those, those answers, and those are valid questions. And sometimes he's like, you know what? Yes to all of it. I don't care because I'm not so much concerned about what you do or where you live or where you go if you're who you are supposed to be. Because I can use people like that more than I can use people positioned in the perfect place. Are you with me now? Because here's the thing. You can go home and you can take out your Bible and you can start to find every verse you can find in the Bible about God's will. Do it. Try and find every verse about God's will. And what you'll find is that most of them are not about career choices. Most of them are not about the things that you're going to do in life. Most of them are about who you are. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think the writer's just trying to say something very simply here. He's like, hey, if you just take your everyday life, you're going to work, you're getting up, you're doing your thing in life, and you actually just place that whole thing down in front of the Lord as an act of worship to just say, Lord, everything I do, I want it to honor you. Everything I do, and this is I know so difficult to do, but Lord, if I could just it's like the writer's trying to say, listen, it's not about, if you would just make your life a spiritual act of worship, and then if you would actually not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, not, not, not succumb to the cookie-cutter mold of what, it, what life looks like, that your dreams would actually be transformed, your way of thinking would be transformed to, the way of, I'm way of, to my way of thinking, you could lay your pillow up, down, or excuse me, you can lay your head on your pillow every, num- every night no matter where you live or what you do and know that you're exactly in the center of God's will for your life. Some people say, hey, I want to be in the center of God's will. You know, it's the safest place to be. I just kind of have this belief that the, the center of God's will is never really a safe place, just so you know. It's going to be calling you out and calling you forward and calling you courageous steps of faith 
And listen, if you find yourself living a safe life where you feel like, hey, I've got it all figured out, God's being good, God's probably pushing you pushing you out. He's saying, I, I actually have more for you, and my will actually begins with who you are. Are you really, really who I've called you to be, or are you just trying to find satisfaction in the things that you do? I think God would much rather be a sculptor in our lives than a traffic cop standing at the intersections of our lives saying, go here, go there. He's not about that. He wants to get our hands on our, he wants to get, he wants to get his hands on our life and to shape and to mold us into who we are. And so if you want practical to how do we actually, how do we actually live a life in which the, the dreams that God has for us, they find us someday. I think it's that we start pursuing who he's called us to be, who he's created us to be. And we actually become the person that he's revealed to us in scripture that we can become. And we don't actually put all of our energy into focusing on the things that we do in this life and the dreams that we're supposed to chase because he isn't looking for big people who can build big things. He's looking for small people, people who know they are small, but who are completely surrendered to him so that he can do the biggest things through them. Following Jesus is about being and doing. I'm not downplaying doing. He calls us to do a lot. I'm simply reminding us that what we do flows from who we are. And that part of the message is not a new message. But I think the part of the message that's new, at least for me, is I'm convinced more than ever that God will bless our dreams. And what I mean by that is you can dream. He's given you the ability to dream. And I believe we can ask him to bless it. I believe we can actually ask him to help us. And he will because he's a good father. And here's, that's, and that's what I feel like most of the church has done. We dream big. We ask God to help us with those big dreams. And he does. It's just not, it's not beyond my imagination. That's the part that is, I struggle with. I'm convinced more than ever that if we want to experience breakthrough of God's spirit in our time and in our lives, it's about not only asking God to bless our dreams, but it's about learning to walk in the seemingly small and insignificant things, to be humble and faithful and committed no matter what is endured on the journey, to dream more about who we are than what we do. So many people feel entitled to get to do big things, and they've yet to walk in the seemingly small and significant things. I think that's what's fresh for me. You know, the Moravians in the 1700s, they said, what if we never stopped praying? And you realize when they said that, no one was watching? <laughs> no one was watching. No one was paying attention. No one cared. No one knew that they were praying for decades. It was decades before anybody even got a whiff of what was going on in Hearn Hunt. Decades. There were no news stories. There were no Insta stories. There were no retweets. There were no pats on the back. There was nothing, no sort of form of, of accolades coming their way. They simply just did it because they were hungry for more. They had been touched by the Spirit of God, and all they wanted was more of that. They were being people who were surrendered to God with all that they had. You see, perhaps living the dream begins with that. It's not, any, it's not anything we don't already know. It's actually, it's actually doing what we already know. 
It's not about vision boards and career choices, although those things matter. You see, the best dreams are the ones that follow us. The best dreams are the ones that we never imagined. And I want you to be a person. I want to be a person that God can give those dreams to. And you know who he hands those dreams to? Are the people who are willing <laughs> to say, I'm hungry for more. The people who are willing to say, I'm willing to do the small and the insignificant things. The ones who are willing to not build big things, but say, I will do the small and the insignificant thing as long as it takes, Lord. Because I'm willing to step in to the things you've called me to be. So I want a person, and I want you to be a person, that God can give those kind of dreams to. So my friends, I want to pray for that. I want to pray that we would, we would even open our hearts up to step into dreams that we never had. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to pray that as we um, even try and <laughs> grab a hold of a few thoughts today, I, I feel like that's kind of the way this week goes. Is there's going to be a thought or an idea or something that, Lord, you want to speak to several of us in this room. And So, well, Lord, I, I pray right now that those those things would be grabbed a hold of, that almost like people would be reaching out and grabbing that thing that you spoke today for them. So, Lord, would you do that in this moment with people grab a hold of what you wanted to grab a hold of? Lord, I pray for any person in here that is in a place of, it feels desperate to them as they are trying to seek your will about the future. They're trying to pursue a dream. Lord, this isn't a message that contradicts those things. This is a message that reminds us that, Father, before, before we can find true freedom in who you've called us to be, Father, you've called us, or called us to do, you've called us to be. And so, Father, I pray that we would always remember that call to be. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would help and you would come in in this moment to anyone that just wants to surrender to more of you, that wants to say, Lord, I want to humble myself before you. I want to be who you've called me to be and just trust you with the future. Lord, would you, would you, I pray for anybody in that place, that, Lord, you would do that today. And even as we sing today, we sing the words, Lord, that just remind us, that, Lord, you could have it all. Would we all step into saying, we want to be people who surrender everything we have to you. Because we know, Father, even in this message today, as we've said, that, Lord, we aren't small in the sense of we're insignificant. Father, we, we're small in the sense that we want to be humble. And we want to be surrendered to you in all that we are so that, Father, you can use us in the biggest of ways. And so, Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus today. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.